0: Hey guys, it's Ellie, and this is Classic Mysteries. And today we're going to be continuing The Murders in the Rue Morgue by Edgar Allan Poe. By the way, if you haven't listened to the first two episodes of the series, I highly suggest you go back because this is a very spoilery intro that I'm going to say. So, uh, yeah, here's your warning. (laughs) Go listen to those. They're really cool. I would highly suggest it. So what happened last week was we learned a whole lot more about Dupin's thought process and what exactly is happening and how he came to the conclusion that the murderer was a monkey. (laughs) This reminds me of, like, uh, Lion's Mane, the episode that I did a while ago. It was a Sherlock Holmes episode. Like, people were dying. Like, murders were happening. But it wasn't a human doing the murdering. It was a squid. Or no, I think it was like a... It was a jellyfish, I think. (laughs) So, when I heard it was an ape, I was like, wow, that's really smart. Like, DuPont was really smart for coming up with that. But, like, man, I just want there to be a human murderer every once in a while, right? Like, <laughs> come on, I want the drama. I want the motive. I want. <laughs> but still, the way that DuPont came up with his his solution was really cool. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe goes in, like, way tons and tons of detail about how he does it, how he thinks about it. I love this. <laughs> I talk to my family about what they think about Edgar Allan Poe. And they hate it, because they read, like, The Raven and the other stuff he's written. And I was like, well, his mystery books are good. I enjoy them, you know? <laughs> like, they are they are dense, uh, but they're a lot of fun. And they're are very, very descriptive. So, we left off last week at the worst cliffhanger ever, which I apologize for, but uh, whatever. <laughs> so, they got the sailor who owns the monkey, or the ape, I guess, to come into their apartment or their flat or whatever. And... DuPont at first was like oh, cordial. He was like, oh, hey, you know, what's up? We got your monkey. Yeah, it's a really nice monkey, by the way. Then he suddenly turns off the lights, takes out a gun, and just goes, so, tell me about those murders. (laughs) And then I stopped right there. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be continuing from that point today. I apologize for your mental distress after hearing that cliffhanger. I will, um, yeah, (laughs) you can sue. It's okay. So anyway, uh, with No More Waffle, let's get started. The sailor's face flushed up as if he were struggling with suffocation. He started to his feet and grasped his cudgel, but the next moment he fell back into his seat, trembling violently and with the countenance of death itself. He spoke not a word. I pitied him from the bottom of my heart. My friend said Dupin in a kind tone. You are alarming yourself unnecessarily. We mean you no harm whatever. I pledge you the honor of a gentleman and of a Frenchman. I know his voice isn't a French accent, but I can't do a French accent. It would just be worse. <laughs> so this is what I'm going with. We intend you no injury. I perfectly well know that you are innocent of the atrocities in the remorgue. It will not do, however, to deny that you are in some measure implicated in them. From what I have already said, you must know that I have had means of information about this matter, means of which you could never have dreamed. Now the thing stands thus. You have done nothing which you could have avoided, nothing certainly which renders you culpable. You were not even guilty of robbery when you might have robbed with impunity. You have nothing to conceal. You have no reason for concealment. On the other hand, you are bound by every principle of honor to confess all you know. An innocent man is now imprisoned charged with that crime of which you can point out the perpetrator the sailor had recovered his presence of mind in a great measure while dupin uttered these words but his original boldness of bearing was all gone so help me god said he after a brief pause i will tell you all i know about this affair but i do not expect you to believe one half i say i would be a fool indeed if i did still i am innocent and i will make a clean breast if i die for it What he stated was, in substance, this. He had lately made a voyage to the Indian archipelago. A party, of which he formed one, landed at Borneo and passed into the interior on an excursion of pleasure. Himself and a companion had captured the orangutan. This companion dying, the animal fell into his own exclusive possession. After great trouble occasioned by the intractable ferocity of this captive during the home voyage, he at length succeeded in lodging it safely at his own residence in Paris, where, not to attract toward himself the unpleasant curiosity of his neighbors, he kept it carefully secluded until such time as it should recover from a wound in the foot received from a splinter on board ship. His ultimate design was to sell it. Uh, I, just, I just have one question. Um, how did your companion die, exactly? <laughs> like, you and your companion, y- you captured this orangutan, right? And then the next sentence is like, oh, the companion died. So now he exclusively owns the orangutan. Like, (laughs) I get that they're out in like some foreign land. I don't know where, I don't know where Borneo is, but like, (laughs) I know that they're out in some foreign land, but like, he just dies all of a sudden. That's, it's a a little bit suspicious. I'm just saying. (laughs) Maybe he's not completely innocent, huh? They just kind of gloss over that fact that one of his close companions that he was stuck in the middle of wherever with just died one day. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay, well. Returning home from some sailor's frolic the night, or rather in the morning of the murder, he found the beast occupying his own bedroom, into which it had broken from a closet adjoining, where it had been, as was thought, securely confined. Razor in hand and fully lathered, it was sitting before a looking glass, attempting the operation of shaving in which it had no doubt previously watched its master through the keyhole of the closet. Oh my gosh, imagine the image of just seeing an orangutan trying to shave. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's so funny, what the heck? Oh, that's so weird. I mean, monkey see monkey do, I guess. Terrified at the sight of so dangerous a weapon in the possession of an animal so ferocious and so well able to use it, the man, for some moments, was at a loss what to do. He had been accustomed, however, to quiet the creature, even in its fiercest moods, by the use of a whip, and to this he now resorted. Upon the sight of it, the orangutan sprang at once through the door of the chamber, down the stairs, and thence through a window, unfortunately open, into the street. The Frenchman followed in despair, razor still on hand, occasionally stopping to look back and gesticulate at its pursuer, until the latter had nearly come up with it. It then again made off. In this manner, the chase continued for a long time. The streets were profoundly quiet, as it was nearly three o'clock in the morning. The passing down an alley in the rear of the room morgue, the fugitive's attention was arrested by a light gleaming from the open window of Madame Lesbenaille's chamber in the fourth story of her house. Rushing to the building, it perceived the lightning rod clambered up with inconceivable agility, grasped the shutter, which was thrown back fully against the wall, and, by its means, swung itself directly upon the headboard of the bed. The whole feat did not occupy a minute. The shutter was kicked open again by the orangutan as it entered the room. The sailor, in the meantime, was both rejoiced and perplexed. He had strong hopes of now recapturing the brute, as it could scarcely escape from the trap into which it had ventured, except by the rod, where it might be intercepted as it came down. On the other hand, there was much cause for anxiety as to what it might do in the house. This latter reflection urged the man still to follow the fugitive. A lightning rod is ascended without difficulty, especially by a sailor, but when he had arrived as high as the window, which lay far to his left, his career was stopped. The most that he could accomplish was to reach over so as to obtain a glimpse of the interior of the room. At this glimpse, he nearly fell from his hold through the excess of horror. Now it was that those hideous shrieks arose upon the night, which had startled from slumber the inmates of the Rue Morgue. Madame L'Espinaille and her daughter, habited in their night clothes had apparently been occupied in arranging some papers in the iron chest already mentioned, which had been wheeled into the middle of the room. It was open, and its contents lay beside it on the floor. The victims must have been sitting with their backs toward the window, and from the time elapsing between the ingress of the beast and the screams, it seems probable that it was not immediately perceived. Okay, how do you not immediately perceive an orangutan coming into your window? <laughs> it might have been a loud night, like it might have been, it might have been windy or something, but like... It's an orangutan, dude! (laughs) Come on, man! How deaf are you guys? Like, even if you're not facing the window, you're still gonna hear it. Like, my goodness. Get your hearing checked, ladies. I guess they can't do that now that they're dead, but (laughs) maybe they should have before. Here's a PSA get your hearing checked before it's too late. Sponsored by the American Hearing Association. I don't know. The flapping two of the shutter would naturally have been attributed to the wind. As the sailor looked in, the gigantic animal had seized Madame L'Espanaye by the hair, which was loose as she had been combing it, and was flourishing the razor about her face, in imitation of the motions of a barber. The daughter lay prostrate and motionless. She had swooned. (laughs) Okay, I know that means fainted, but, like, that's just a funny choice of wording. (laughs) Like... Oh, the mother was being tortured and brutalized, and the daughter swooned. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, Choose your words better, Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, I know it doesn't mean only, like, romantically swooning, but, like, still, that's the connotation it has, so that's just- oh, that's so funny. (laughs) The screams and struggles of the old lady, during which the hair was torn from her head, had the effect of changing the probably pacific purposes of the orangutan into those of wrath. With one determined sweep of its muscular arm, it nearly severed her head from her body. The sight of blood inflamed its anger into frenzy. Gnashing its teeth and flashing fire from its eyes, it flew upon the body of the girl and embedded its fearful talons into her throat, retaining its grasp until she expired. Its wandering and wild glances fell at this moment upon the head of the bed, over which the face of its master, rigid with horror, was just discernible. The fury of the beast, who no doubt bore still in the mind the dreaded whip, was instantly converted into fear. Conscious of having deserved punishment, it seemed desirous of concealing its bloody deeds, and skipped about the chamber in an agony of nervous agitation, throwing down and breaking the furniture as it moved, and dragging the bed from the bedstead. In conclusion, it seized first the corpse of the daughter and thrust it up the chimney as it was found. "'then that of the old lady, which it immediately hurled through the window headlong. "'As the ape approached the encasement with its mutilated burden, "'the sailor shrank aghast to the rod, "'and, rather gliding than clambering down it, hurried at once home, "'dreading the consequences of the butchery and gladly abandoning, in his terror, "'all solicitude about the fate of the orangutan. "'The words heard by the party upon the staircase "'were the Frenchman's exclamations of horror and affright,' co with the fiendish jabberings of the brute. I have scarcely anything to add. The orangutan must have escaped from the chamber by the rod, just before the break of the door. It must have closed the window as it passed through it. It was subsequently caught by the owner himself, who obtained for it a very large sum. La Donne was instantly released upon our narration of the circumstances, with some comments from Dupont, at the Bureau of the Prefect of Police. This functionary, however, well disposed to my friend, could not altogether conceal his chagrin at the turn which affairs had taken, and was fain to indulge in a sarcasm or two about the propriety of every person minding his own business. "'Let him talk,' said Dupin, who had not thought it was necessary to reply. "'Let him discourse, it will ease his conscience, and I am satisfied with having defeated him in his own castle. Nevertheless, that he failed in the solution of this mystery, it is by no means that matter for wonder which he supposes it.' For in truth, our friend the prefect is somewhat too cunning to be profound. In his wisdom is no stamen; it is all head and no body, like the pictures of the goddess Laverna, or at best all head and shoulders like a codfish. But he is a good creature after all. I like him especially for one master stroke of cant, by which he has attained his reputation for ingenuity. I mean the way he has. ce qui et ce qui n'est pas that translates in Google Translate to to deny what is and to explain what is not. I'm sorry, <laughs> that voice is so bad, but I cannot speak French. That's better than my version of what that would have been. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's just making fun of the Prefect of police. That's hilarious. <laughs> so there's actually um, another story called The Mystery of Marie Roger, or if that's how you pronounce it which is a sequel to The Murders in the Rue Morgue, Um, that is definitely longer than the original story, so I have no idea what it's about. So yeah, I guess we'll read that next week. I actually wanted to do a Christmas special, but I started this and it was longer than I expected. I wanted to read like The Christmas Carol or something. I think that would have actually been super cool. Um, Oh well, maybe we'll do that next year. Oh, speaking of which, I started this podcast in January of 2021. So that means it's almost the year mark of the anniversary. So yeah. Shoot me an email if you've been listening for this entire time since I started it. Uh, if you have, then wow, I'm just surprised at this point. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoy this. I know it's a super, super short episode, but I mean, I don't really want to start another story because then we wouldn't be able to finish it, and I don't enjoy not being able to finish stories that I start. Um, I don't like doing multi-parters, I prefer doing one-parters, but but sometimes it just doesn't work out that way, so Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this short little uh, ending piece of that story. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll see where this goes. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, yeah, if you have any books that you might want me to read, maybe some stories or even favorite authors that I, that you think that I would enjoy, please send me an email. I am not very well versed in uh, what books are good and what aren't in the mystery world. I'm just kind of picking and choosing based on titles that I think are interesting. so feel free. Shoot me an email. I want to know more about these cool mystery books that uh, I'm reading. Also, if you're on any podcast app where you can like or follow or comment or whatever, then go and do that because these stories are awesome. And And even if most people don't like Edgar Allan Poe, I enjoy his mystery stories. I think they're a lot of fun. I think they're very detailed and very dense, but still a lot of fun. And lastly, there's those two links that are always in the show notes. One is just for donating to me. And the other is for becoming my patron you can become a watson tier or a sherlock um yeah feel free i hope that you guys have a wonderful uh holiday season with your family i hope that you guys are able to enjoy yourselves merry christmas and happy holidays to those that celebrate and i hope that you guys have a wonderful holiday season i hope that this podcast just makes you a little bit more more happy more chill you know what this week i challenge you To smile to 10 people that you don't usually smile to. Alright? You got this. (laughs) I believe in you. (laughs) Alright. I'll see you guys next Monday. (laughs) Bye.